0: Hello, Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Brett Keen from God TV radio I hope you're all having a blessed day if you would like to support God TV radio You could do a one-time donation through PayPal or you can buy us a gift off of Amazon wish list or you can buy one of my books afterlife simulation is the newest installment of my novels and written works or you could buy some of our music and art Also, I sell merchandise such as t-shirts, mugs, towels, clothes, apparel, anything that your heart desires. God bless. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're all having a blessed, wonderful day out there. As many of you know, the Supreme Court turned over abortion. They basically have come to the decision, the logical, rational decision, that killing babies is not a morally good thing to do. And because of this, there's been countless liberals and atheists on the internet screaming and yelling and beating their head like a rabid primate, so angry, so angry. Raging Atheist is a perfect example of someone who is just really tore up about all this. He doesn't get it. He's like, I don't understand. Why is it that women can't kill their own babies? It's their body. It's their choice. The little bugger needs to go. Why? Why? Uh, What will he be able to do? How will he make it through his life knowing that murder is not legal, especially of that of innocent children and babies? So many non-believers upset about it. I know that I have a couple atheist friends who have more conservative views out there who believe that it's immoral to murder babies, such as Adam Lohr. And I also know my friend Aiden also has some issues with that. He's not one of these atheists that is so quick to parrot or give robotic programmed responses to the concept of just uh, straight up killing infants toddlers and babies and all that kind of stuff now the reason why i mentioned toddlers and infants is because if the liberals had had their way they were pushing for abortion all the way up to the point where the baby's out of the womb that a mother could actually look at her baby eye to eye and tell the doctor within that moment it's okay to kill them There were some liberals who were so fucked in the head ladies and gentlemen I kid you not that they believed as long as a child was young enough and lacked the sentience and consciousness of a self-aware human being that the child posed as an inconvenience or drag to the parents that you could kill them all the way up to three, four years old. That's what a lot of these assholes were going for, folks. They really, really thought that that was a good idea. That you should be able to choose. Kind of like getting something at Walmart and you don't like it or you feel like it isn't working or functioning the way you want it to and you simply want to return it. Well, when it comes to abortion, you can't really just return it, can you? Now. You got to get in there with hacksaws and knives and scalp that son of a bitch right out of there. That's what the hell they wanted to do with it. So, yeah, there's a lot of liberal atheists out there who are upset. And there appears to be a great deal of Christians who are very happy. They're happy that baby killing is not on the table. But there's a little bit of a problem with that, folks. There's an issue. And it's something I've had for a long time. And I've talked to Christians for the last few years about this. And I also talked to them whenever I was an atheist. I am more than aware that when you open up the Bible, that the Bible is not the manuscript or literature that you want to go to if you want to fight abortion. It's one of the reasons why Christianity failed at stopping Roe versus Wade in the first place. How can you use the Bible or the belief in God or the Christian God to be able to challenge abortion whenever it comes to life having value and being sacred? The reason why I say this is right off the bat in the Bible, you've got God just one after another killing tribes of men, women, and children. We got Numbers chapter 31, verse 17 through 19, where it says, Now therefore kill every man, woman, and child, but keep all the virgin girls for yourself. And the King James, if you were looking first Samuel chapter fifteen, verse three, <clears throat> it says, Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, oxen, sheep, camel and ass. The Bible has it to where God not only wants you to wipe out babies and children and toddlers. And the uh, exact example I gave of liberal atheists out there who want to kill them all the way up to five years old, practically. The Bible has it to where God has the same kind of uh, thought process on it. Apparently, it doesn't matter if you're a toddler or an infant. If you're born to the wrong parents or you're born to the wrong tribe who are worshiping the wrong God or doing the wrong things or not obeying the commandments, then your life is pretty much on borrowed time. And that is it. Another really interesting, fascinating thing, if you read in the book of Revelation, God actually says that he, anytime someone dies... It's because he holds the key to life and death. That means that he's literally, he knows when your time is up and your fate is kind of sealed. I'll give you an example. If God knows that you're going to die at 3 p.m. tomorrow while you're driving up to Walmart to pick up your favorite movies or something or DVD, Blu-ray, whatever it is that you're going for and that you're going to get hit by the amazing atheists driving out of control in a banana truck There's not a damn thing that you can do about that because God already knows that's your time to die. Now, being that he knows it's when it's your time to die, there ain't no choice out of this. You can't turn a right or a left unless God permits the universe to allow you to do this. So basically, you got God in the universe set in time and you're dead and there ain't no getting out of it. That's the same with abortion, folks. God knows that the baby's going to be aborted. Thousands of years before it was even a thought, Hundreds of thousands of years before your mother and father came along because God knows everything, he knew that that baby at that time was going to be aborted. Now the question you have to ask yourself is, okay, so what happens to the little fetus? What happens to the babies that God commands to be killed or ends up killing himself? Well, they supposedly go to heaven. That's what most Christians will tell you. It doesn't say that all babies go to heaven according to the Bible, and some Christians will say, but there's an age of accountability, there's innocence and all that, and God would never let a guilty uh, person go to heaven, but an innocent person can, especially one that's ignorant or unknowledgeable. Well, the problem is, is that the Bible says that we're all evil. It doesn't say, oh, but the babies are cool. It it doesn't have any kind of categories. It says that we're all born with sin. We're all born with sin, so we're all evil, we're all this and that. Now I know what some Christians might argue. They might say something to the effect of, well, the baby didn't have the ability to break the commandments because the baby may not have known about what the commandments and laws are. That still doesn't get away from the fact that God says that we have an evil nature, that our, the very sin of our parents comes down on the children. That's right. It says that we literally inherit the sin of our loved ones and those who uh, created us. So there's that. Now, a person like me, because I hold the position of Maltheism as well as Christianity, I'm allowed to say things like some of the acts and some of the events in the Bible are evil. I can say that killing babies is wrong because I do not have the belief that God is all loving in the first place. I believe that sometimes God gets a bee in his bonnet and just starts doing a killing spree. He goes straight up natural born killer. Sometimes our God gets jealous and angry and somebody's got to die. That's the reason when you look through 90% of the Old Testament, there's this killing, killing, killing and destruction. That's what it says. But because I'm a mouthiest, and I'm not making the accusation or claim that God is always right, or God is doing everything morally good, I don't have to be under the same position that some of these other Christians who claim to be pro-life are, where they say that everything that God does, everything that is in God's will, is, is love, and it's a good thing whenever he kills people. So... Christians find themselves in a really, really unusual thing. Could you imagine what it would be like, the difference between a mouthiest Christian as opposed to a Baptist Christian or a Catholic standing at an abortion clinic rally or something where a bunch of young women are f- frightened and they're thinking about killing their baby? If they were to throw the Bible in my face at some place like this, like I would never go to something like this, folks. I'm not interested in yelling and screaming at women in the first place who are having this kind of anxiety. But let's say that it hypothetically happened, that I was happening to stand there. And they were to say, well, you say that you care about the baby and you love the baby, but doesn't your God do that? Doesn't your God drown infants and babies and all that? I can say, yeah, and that was a bad thing to do. That was a terrible thing to do. Killing babies is never a good idea. I can say that. But what would a Baptist Christian say or a Catholic? What would any one of these brands of Christianity say if they already believe that everything that God does is good? How would they be able to challenge the idea that it's objectively wrong to kill children if they believe that everything that God chooses to do is objectively good? You see the problem, the paradox, the dilemma? and i guess it's a sort of for me being a Maltheist, it's um it's a form of convenience for sure i can say that what i feel or perceive god doing in an instant in some kind of instant is wrong i can say that and because i believe that god is intelligent and god has wisdom He'll understand. He knew hundreds of thousands, millions, billions of years, no matter what time frame you put on it, that Brett Keane was going to disagree with some things. I'm not the first person of God, or man, or woman of God, to argue with God. I'm not the first person to ever question God's morality and how God does things. I'm not the first one to debate that life is worth saving. There's plenty of men and women throughout the Bible who had the balls and the gumption to actually say, God, I don't think this is a good idea, sir. I don't, uh, can we at least save this amount? Um, how about this amount or this amount? I'm the peacekeeper, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm all about trying to save as many lives as possible. I try to protect people from God whenever he gets angry. Now don't get me wrong, I love me some God, I worship God, I respect God, but there are certain attributes and things that God does that bothers me sometimes. And I know some religious people, when you hear this, this will make you go, whoa, how dare you? Do you think you're better than God or something? No. I think that God is superior to me. I believe that God has the power and the abilities and the wisdom and intelligence, knows things that I can never know. And perhaps whenever I meet him in heaven or on the new earth, he'll make it to where I can comprehend things a lot better, perhaps. Maybe while I'm still alive, some really smart Christian will come along and be able to give me a different perception. My good friend Praise I Am, he's been trying to get me straightened out. He thinks that my head's filled with bullshit, and he's trying as respectfully and nicely as he possibly can to help me out. And I appreciate that praise. I know that you'll be listening and responding probably to this video. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for not being one of these Christians who just straight out call me an evil piece of trash. He deserves to burn in hell because the all-loving God is upset at some of the words that come out of my mouth. Thank you for being a decent, awesome person like that. So, yeah. If we look at any of the Abrahamic faiths, if we look at Islam, if we look at Judaism and Christianity, none of it's pro-life. None of it's about the baby. None of it's about this or that. In fact, there was a woman a while back called Andrea Yates, I believe is her name. She uh, believed that she needed to kill her own five babies by drowning them in the bathtub. She was afraid that God was so mean and terrible ...that if she allowed these babies to grow up... ...they'd end up becoming sinners... ...and then they would... ...eventually go to hell for all eternity... ...and she preferred killing them then... ...because she was under the false belief... ...that if she kills them while they're innocent... ...then they'll they'll be able to... Uh, ...have a chance of being with God... ...and of course God knew that was going to happen... ...God knew that this woman was going to put her hand... ...over her baby's face... ...and push it under the water until the bubble stopped coming up. He knew that, and of course, he did not intervene or interact, as God tends to do sometimes when mean, terrible things are happening in the world. I think as long as Christians argue for an all-loving God, they're not going to be able to argue against abortion. Out of memory, I can throw out 20 verses that are absolutely brutal and terrible Um. Horrible things and events having to do with the murder and killing of children and religion. And I can give many, many different events throughout history where Christians clearly showed that uh, it's not enough uh, just to kill evil, terrible adults who deserve it, but they will go so far as taking out innocents. And I understand if a Christian really, really wanted to, they could make the effort and say, well, the reason why God went ahead and killed the children, too, is who was going to babysit him after he killed the moms and the dads and the grandparents and all that? I mean, after you kill all the adults, it's not like Moses can carry, you know, a 100 million infants and toddlers and just born babies through the desert. I mean, what kind of... How much power and ability does this dude really have? He's supposed to do that. And besides, even if you save the little teenagers and the kids and all that kind of stuff, you realize how pissed off they're going to be? They just got done watching you like take a sword, a rusty sword, and cut their parents' head off. So they're probably going to want to kick your ass as soon as you go to sleep in your tent. So I get that. There's just not enough resources and food. Most of these men in the Bible who were involved in the slaying of infants and toddlers, it makes it very clear that many of them didn't even have a whole lot of resources to begin with. They were living one day at a time, hunters and raiders and stuff like that. So even if they would have tried, they couldn't have because of the inconvenience of resources. But it doesn't really matter now, does it? doesn't really matter and even if they were to take some of these people alive and then take them with them who they deemed as innocent we would have all defined that as slavery because these people would have been taken um against their will correct yeah Yeah, so either way, you end up looking like an evil asshole at the end of the day. I suppose it's best not to even have war at all, not even to bother going in and invading other countries and killing people. It seems like a really stupid idea all the way around, even though every year we seem to find new justifications and excuses to do it. Hmm. I've met many Christian women out there who've actually told me Um, I'm not going to mention any names, but they said that before they had babies, they prayed to God that God not allow them to have a baby until that baby was ready to come into this world and end up being a good Christian. Because they didn't want their baby to be born into a world where the baby becomes homosexual or becomes um, a non-believer or someone who... Doesn't hold to their beliefs because then they believe that the person would go to hell. There's women out there that have actually prayed to God, "Don't give me life, don't give me a baby if you plan on burning it in hell later on down the road." Isn't that sad? And when these women told me this, they they had a smile on their face, as though that was really an awesome, incredible thing that they told me. I find it um, devastating that they say things like God is all loving, yet they're praying to God to kill a baby before it reaches the gates of hell. Well, it is what it is. Well, if anybody out there thinks I'm a dumbass uh, Mr. Potato Head-like person, feel free to Uh, refute me, debunk me, make videos. You can post them in my comments, the link to your video. If you're a Christian or an atheist and you think that I'm absolutely fucking terrible and that I need to be refuted, I'm listening. I'm always listening. I'm always paying attention. So far, a lot of people haven't done very good at uh, trying to debunk me. Some of you haven't even made the effort. And I can understand why my videos are rough aren't they they're hardcore all right god bless hello ladies and gentlemen my name is brett keen from god tv radio i hope you're all having a blessed day if you would like to support god tv radio you can do a one-time donation through paypal or you can buy us a gift off of amazon Wish List, or you can buy one of my books Afterlife simulation is the newest installment of my novels and written works, or you could buy some of our music and art. Also, I sell merchandise such as t-shirts, mugs, towels, clothes, apparel, anything that your heart desires. God bless. Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day If you would like to support God TV Radio You could do a one-time donation through PayPal or you can buy us a gift off of Amazon List, Or you can buy one of my books afterlife simulation is the newest installment of my novels and written works or you could buy some of our music and art Also, I sell merchandise such as t-shirts, mugs, towels, clothes, apparel, anything that your heart desires. God bless. Good afternoon, everyone. I hope you're all having a blessed day out there. Let me ask you all a question, if you don't mind. Does Satan believe in Jesus Christ? Does Satan know that Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross and resurrected three days later? Does he acknowledge all of the things that Christians claim that they believe in? And if it's true that he acknowledges because he, according to the Bible, was there, actually seen Jesus do it, seen the miracles that Jesus did, um knows that Jesus exists, does not deny the existence of Jesus Christ like some of these non-believers do out here, wouldn't that technically mean that he would receive salvation and eternal life? That's if we were to go with what a lot of Christians talk about nowadays. They say forgiveness is for everyone. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says that Satan can't be saved. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says that Satan can't receive salvation. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says that Satan can't redeem himself if he were to simply obey God and accept what God is telling him to do. We get the idea, I suppose, or at least some Christians, that the devil is not redeemable because his fate, his destiny, Is what appears to be sealed in the book of Revelation is that there's nothing that he'll ever change or choose to do and the Bible tells us what God has plans to do with him that's God's will however Christians a lot of the time especially a great deal of social media Christians they say well you don't have to really do any actions all you have to do is believe these certain tenets of Christianity and you're fine But the problem with that is that there are many, many passages in the New Testament as well as the Old Testament that states that God requires a bit more. If we look in the Old Testament, we can see that God went through this enduring process where he creates these commandments and laws. They are the moral commandments and laws that we are to abide by in order to show that we bear fruit and that we agree with God's tenets, and this is basically what societies all around the world establish their morality on. But now a lot of complacent Christians are stating, "Eh, we're not under the commandments and laws, we're saved by what is referred to as greasy grace. We can simply do whatever you want all day, and as long as we accept Jesus Christ into our heart, we're going to get away with it. And that's one of the reasons why we've ran into these incoherent, inconsistent arguments from some Christians that Adolf Hitler could go around, kill six million Jews by throwing them into a furnace, and they're all going to go to hell because they don't accept Jesus Christ. But Adolf Hitler, if at the end of his life, right before he was bombed into oblivion, If he accepted Jesus Christ in the last five minutes, he gets to go to heaven, as were six million Jews who believed in God, but they may have not accepted the New Testament. They're screwed. That doesn't seem very fair. That doesn't seem very just whatsoever. I would say 100% of the men of the Old Testament were not aware of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ wasn't even born yet, although a few of them predicted his coming. They never met him personally. Unless, of course, you're a Trinitarian and you believe that Jesus is God, but they didn't ever get to see him in his biological manifestation that the disciples got to, or even Paul. So it's all very nitty-gritty, confusing, and God says he's not the author of confusion, yet there are so many complacent Christians out there who argue all these things such as, by grace alone you're going to be saved. The problem is, is that the Bible doesn't exactly agree with that very narrow terminology that some of these Christians come up with. And I know I'm going to lose subscribers and there's going to be Christians who are going to call me an atheist or the Antichrist simply for blowing the cobwebs off my Bible and reading directly out of it on what the passages say as opposed to going to their favorite uh, Christian preacher who tickles their ears just like a Pharisee. And I'm not saying that any Christian out there who believes this way, that you're a Pharisee or you're evil or you're like leading the blind or something while being blind yourself. No, no, no. I'm not saying any of that. I can be friends with anybody out there, even if you're an atheist. So it is what it is. But let's get into some biblical stuff, shall we? Revelation 22:14, the very end of the book. Where do you go from there once you're at the end, right? It says, blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life. The Bible's telling you that you got to keep the commandments. Did you know that in Psalms 5.5, it says, God hates all workers of iniquity. It doesn't say love the sin but hate the sin. You know, hate the sin but love the sinner or any of that nonsense or cliche stuff you see on a a license plate or a bumper sticker or some Christian that has rarely ever read their Bible. It clearly says that if you don't uh, abide by the commandments, that you're in serious trouble. God actually hates you. But for some reason, there are Christians nowadays who think the commandments were just... uh, some kind of kayfabe back in the Old Testament that don't mean anything anymore. Some of them will say, well, if you're a true Christian and you believe in God, then you'll be transformed in such a way that it'll make it to where, you know, by proxy, you'll do what you need to do and you'll bear the fruit and yada, 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 yada. But it clearly tells you that you're to follow the commandments. And following commandments means that you're doing action. It means that you're committing to work. It means that you're working for your salvation. It means that you're saying to God, I am going to behave this way and I'm going to do these certain things. And I'm going to commit myself to be able to show my love not only for you, God, but also for my fellow man. So why would Christians resort to this? Why would they say, oh, no, I'm not under commandments and law, even though if you look in the book of John and James, it says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments forever. Why would they do that for? Why would they strike the idea of doing action, you know, such as what Jesus taught on the the, the mound, he said uh, that you are to give to the hungry. You're supposed to give to those who are thirsty. You're supposed to help out the weak. You're supposed to do all these things. Was he just saying that just so he could hear his head rattle? I don't think so. It seems like Jesus was clearly telling us that we need to actually help each other. Love is actually an action. It's an a verb. It's a, a concept that involves commitment and actually doing things. Any moron worth his salt can tell someone they love them. But where love is truly experienced because it's invisible, it's not something you can just clutch in your hands, is through the experience and actions of others. You know your mother loves you. If she tucks you in at night and you know, tells you that you're wonderful and lovely and all that, and she makes sure you're fed and have a roof over your head and all these kind of things. This is how you know that your mother loves you. If your mother says she loves you, but she doesn't do nothing, she doesn't go grocery shopping, she doesn't clean after you, she won't change the turds that come out of your ass whenever you poop in your diapers, well, then you know she doesn't love you very much, okay? There's no love there because she doesn't show any action towards it. If you look in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 17 it says the father who without partially judges according to each one's work. So it's telling you that God is going to judge you on your work. Revelation chapter 2 verse 23 I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Right there in the last book. You got all these verses. Revelation 20 12 13 And I saw the dead small and great stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of the those things which were written in the books according to their works not their faith not their belief but their actual works. So why do Christians tell people this? Why do preachers get up behind their podiums and tell people that works are not important, that Christianity is not a merit-based system? Why do they say this for? They act like it's nasty or disgusting or gross to say that you actually have to do like Christ. I mean, that's the very definition of Christian, right? To do like Christ. Be Christ-like. Well, if Christ sees someone who's thirsty, he's going to give them drink, right? If they're hungry. Well, it depends on what day it is or what time it is or what the mood is, I suppose, of God. Sometimes people do go on starving in the world. Sometimes people do go thirsty. Sometimes God depends on us to be his instrument and use the power and resources we have to help out others. I guess it really comes down to if we're having a bad day or a good day or if we choose to use our free will for something positive as opposed to playing Nintendo or sitting around eating Twinkies all day. And hey, I like Twinkies, folks, and I'm a gamer, so I completely understand your problem. So... You will find that Christians sometimes contradict themselves, though. They'll tell you that Jesus paid the price and took your sins, right? Yet, they know that they're the first ones to admit that daily they sin. And when a Christian admits to you that they're sinning, or they're doing something wrong, what are they essentially saying? Well, let's look at the definition of sin transgression against the law. Iniquity means lawlessness. So if a Christian says that they're committing sins, they're telling you that they're going against God's commandments. That's essentially what they're saying, but for some reason they can't put two and two together. They can't seem to see the correlation of their problem here. Now it is true that the Bible does say a lot of things like we're because we're like filthy rags and the heart is almost inherently evil due to human nature, that a lot of the things that we do is never truly going to equal up to what God wants or what he expects from us, even though Jesus does say things like, be ye perfect. But that doesn't mean that you just simply adopt nihilism like non-believers do where you just say, oh, no matter what I do, no matter what I say, no matter how much good I do in the world, it simply won't matter. So I guess I'll just believe in God, and I'll believe in Jesus, and uh, hopefully at the end of the day, everything will be okay. I wonder why Jesus says the way is narrow for. That seems to um, give you the impression or the idea that a whole lot of people out there, whether they claim to be Christian or not, are not going to get into heaven. I mean, if I if this world is anything like what I perceive it to be, then it's going to be a very lonely place in heaven, ladies and gentlemen. It really is. But there are some Christians out there who will tell you, they will actually say right to your face, without even flinching, that a rapist, a murderer, child molesters, they can all get to heaven just simply by believing Hmm, that's unusual, isn't it? God is willing to forgive a child molester and a rapist and a pedophile, providing they accept Jesus Christ. However, if you have an extremely charitable, loving, kind atheist, or a person of a different faith, they're absolutely screwed. And the Christian usually doesn't stop there, does he or she? No, if you're the wrong kind of Christian, you're going to hell. If you're a Catholic, ah, don't even think about it. You don't even get the sit on the cloud near the, the castle where God lives. You don't even get that. Oh, you're a Mormon? Well, you're preaching a false doctrine. You're definitely toast there, sir. I'm sorry. You can go ahead and keep all those planets you thought you were going to inherit whenever you died to yourself because you're not going to be hanging out in heaven with us. Isn't that something? And then, of course, six million Jews and thousands or to millions of atheists who were murdered by atheist Joseph Stalin, the dictator, none of them get to go. Even though they might have helped out their family member, they might have even been a fan of puppies and kittens, even if they lived as if there was a god, it doesn't matter because they didn't say the magical words. They didn't have the holy binoculars on in order to be able to understand any of it. See, one of the things that scares me about some forms of Christianity that dwell and go down the rabbit hole into nihilism is that they find themselves in the same position a lot of nihilistic atheists find. What do atheists find themselves doing, ladies and gentlemen? They will tell you that life has no intrinsic meaning or purpose, that there's no true objective value to anything including life itself. They can't even make an objective argument for what is wrong or right in this world because they don't believe that there is a higher authority. And because of that, they also don't believe that following this concept, there's laws that they need to even bother with. Well, isn't that exactly what the Christian is doing? The Christian saying, well, there's no laws anymore. There's no rules. The only rule is to simply believe. To simply hold to that thought. Believe that Jesus loves you and everything will be fine. But is it? James chapter 2, verse 21 to 25. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rehab the harlot also justified by works? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. James chapter two verse seventeen says thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. James chapter two verse fourteen What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? James one twenty two Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, that's in Philippians 2.12, and James 1.22 says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Corinthians chapter 11, verse 15, Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. 2 Corinthians 5:10 For we shall all appear before the judgment seats of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Romans chapter 2 verse 6 Who will render to each other one according to his deeds? For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. So. This is what we find, right, ladies and gentlemen? And to be honest with you, you got to be careful for what I refer to as Bibliophiles. These are people who are completely, their entire religion and ideology is whatever's in the book, whatever's in their version or brand of Christianity and Bible. They don't step back even for a moment and try to step outside the box that they've put themselves in and think. Maybe God's bigger than the Bible. Maybe there's things about God that God did not feel like sharing with us. It happens. We got people all throughout our lives, our friends and our family. They don't tell us everything, but we know enough about them that they love us and that they care about us, that they're interested in our well-being. But God himself says there are many things that we do not know, that our mind is not like his that his ways are mysterious, and that there are many, many treasures in heavens we are still to find and will never fully comprehend and understand God because of the limitation of our nature. Basically, we're finite human beings with uh, basically a limited capacity of memory and the ability to experience all that which God does. But some people, they look at the Bible and they say, well, the Bible says this, the Bible says that, period, overdone. So they can't even open their mind to the idea that God might be a bit more than just some pages and books and experiences that primitive men had when they engaged and interacted with God so long ago. So are we under the commandments and laws? Will we be judged based upon our sins when Revelation takes place? Whenever we're standing before God at Judgment Day, what is God judging us on? Is he judging us on how much we believed? I mean, it seems to me that you either believe or you don't. You either believe or you have doubts, period. Is that all God is judging us on? Because if he's judging us on our sin... Then you have to ask yourself, well, what did I do that was sinful? You disobeyed God many, many times. Some of you boast that you do so daily. So what is it? And I know, I I understand why some preachers actually do what they do. They know that if they put it all out there like what I just did, a lot of the Christians won't even want to go to church anymore. They won't want to sit there. They'd rather believe that everything comes easy to them. That's the nature of humanity, isn't it? We want everything to be easy and given to us. We want everything to be handed to us on a silver platter. If we find out that there's any effort involved and we're not getting paid to do it, we're like, the hell with that. We don't even want to hear about it. And unfortunately, religion suffers from the same problem. People are always trying to find the easy way out. They're always trying to find a way to be able to get around things, find that loophole. Sure, there's some Christians out there, you're going to probably be able to give me a couple verses, and you're going to use those verses without reading the stuff above it or below it, or correlating it with any other passages, and you're going to try to fight me tooth and nail, on why it is you should be able to get away with murder and still somehow get to heaven. I get it. I understand. You don't want to you don't want things being any more challenging and difficult as they are. Matthew nineteen seventeen, Jesus says, if you want to enter into life, keep my commandments. In the book of John it says, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments forever. I could literally go on all day. In the old testament, whenever People broke the commandments or they continuously disobeyed God. We know what happened to those people. Apparently, God thought his commandments and laws were so important that he was willing to wipe out entire generations of people, men, women, and children. And he didn't stop there. Sometimes God was so angry by people disobeying him that he actually wiped out their pets and all their animals too. That's how seriously God took things. But you're going to have Christians out there who are going to tell you, ah, God changed his mind come the New Testament. He became a more compassionate, more decent deity. He became more restrained on all this. But that's not what the book of Revelation says. You wouldn't have any of these Christians out here thinking that there's a difference between the way God behaved in the Old Testament as opposed to the New Testament if they actually read it cover to cover, the God of the Bible has not changed. He still gets very irritated, very angry, and he expects us to make a commitment. So there is that. So my two theories is, ladies and gentlemen, that some Christians have never read the Bible in their life, or they simply go along with the verses that they feel like they can twist. Cherry pick is what it is. Now, ultimately, ladies and gentlemen, when you stand before God at Judgment Day, obviously, God's going to have to really, really analyze and process your existence and your life. And it is ultimately up to him what he chooses to do with your soul and your fate, no matter how much faith you had, no matter how many works you committed to. So, in that way, I suppose you could probably argue, well, in the end, it's all up to God. But God's got this really unusual tone about him, doesn't he? He says, uh, there's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can say. The nature just is what it is. That's what's dictated. You know, one of the most oddest things that I think about Christianity and its definition, and I know I'm going to lose at least 100 subs over this one. But what was the big reason why Satan fell in the first place? What was the big reason, ladies and gentlemen, This is a retortive question. Satan wanted to be like God. And what is the very definition of Christian? To be Christ-like. Well, if Christ, Jesus, is God, then apparently whenever a person says they're a Christian, they're defining themselves as being like God. Is it no wonder that there's actually a psychological term out there for people who believe that they are God Or even greater. Isn't that unusual? It's called the God complex. Interestingly enough, and yes, atheists and Christians, for some reason, every time they whittle down their ideologies, it always ends up coming out to moral bankruptcy and absolute nihilism. I think we got to be careful with that, folks. Just saying. Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day If you would like to support God TV Radio You can do a one-time donation through PayPal or you can buy us a gift off of Amazon wish list or you can buy one of my books afterlife simulation is the newest installment of my novels and written works or you could buy some of our music and art Also, I sell merchandise such as t-shirts, mugs, towels, clothes, apparel, anything that your heart desires. God bless. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keene from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day. If you would like to support God TV radio, you could do a one-time donation through PayPal, or you can buy us a gift off of Amazon Wish List, or you can buy one of my books. Afterlife simulation is the newest installment of my novels and written works, or you could buy some of our music and art. Also, I sell merchandise such as t-shirts, mugs, towels, clothes, apparel, Anything that your heart desires. God bless. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're all having a blessed day out there. One of the things that I enjoy looking at is videos on YouTube having to do with animals whenever they're introduced to their reflection for the first time in the mirror. There's a couple of videos out there having to do with wildlife, such as lions, and then you've got gorillas and apes, where they're running around in whatever habitat that humans have put them in, and they've never seen a mirror in their life. They don't have an idea or even comprehend what the word reflection even means. When they get in front of the mirror, some of them get aggressive and angry because they think, like, for instance, the lion... If you've got an alpha lion, it thinks that another lion is basically making a threat at it or it wants to show its dominance to the other lion and doesn't realize that it's actually looking at itself. It sometimes will run, sometimes it will claw at the mirror, Uh, it will look around the mirror trying to see where the creature is. Unfortunately, some of these animals have actually charged the mirror, such as the gorilla and the ape, and they end up slamming into it, and this causes a lot of people who watch these type of videos to feel like it's cruel, it's indecent to put a device like this in front of an animal that doesn't know any better. Birds have a tendency, whenever they're flying around, they cannot see the reflection of a window, or they think that they're about to fly into a nest of birds when it's actually their own reflection. And birds have been known to kill themselves by slamming into windows or into your mirrors uh, and windshield on your cars as well as your homes. you probably experienced that before. Because the bird doesn't know. The bird doesn't understand, hey, this is a window, this has got a kind of a clear physical platform, it's going to run right into it and kill itself. Very sad, very sad. Well, upon looking at all these different uh, videos where they show animals and then birds sitting in front of mirrors, the birds are also not self-aware either, obviously, or they wouldn't be killing themselves as I said before, but some birds, if there's a branch or something for them to sit on, they'll sit right in front of the mirror and they'll whistle at the other bird and uh they think that another bird is singing along with them but most of the bigger creatures out there and mammals and such they attempt to dominate they want their reflection to know i am king i am i am the leader and you need to listen to me and it's very jarring for them whenever They're moving around, and their reflection is moving with them. And when they get close, it gets close. And it's very, very scary for some of these animals to go through this. It's an unusual experiment, but it's something that's been done for years to try to understand the self-awareness and what level of awareness a creature has whenever it looks at itself. Well, as most of you know... There are transgenders out there who claim that from a young age they would look in the mirror and they didn't see um, what they thought they should be seeing. They believe that whenever they look in the mirror, they're supposed to be seeing another gender. And I've asked many transgenders, what do you think that it is that you were supposed to have seen when you looked in the mirror? See, the transgender always says, well, when. Like a guy will look in the mirror and say, oh, I see a woman. I see a woman. And obviously nobody else sees that because they physically have the form of a man. That's what they were born biologically to be. So it's pretty clear right away that there's something that is um, fluctuating or there's some kind of corruption in their brain that causes them to see something that is not there. The only other kind of thing that we have in the animal kingdom as well as humanity that explains that type of issue is what we refer to as mental illness. There are people who look in the mirror and they think that they are the reincarnation of John F. Kennedy. There's some people who look in the mirror and they think that they are the resurrected Jesus Christ. They actually believe that they're the son of God walking around on the earth And they've created and invented a story in their head on why it is they're not able to use supernatural abilities and things like that. Of course, if something unusual happens while they just so happen to be around, they'll take credit for it for sure. But the point is, is that the transgender looks in the mirror and they claim that they're seeing something that is not what it's supposed to be that sometimes it's terrifying for them, sometimes it's jarring, that it bothers them. That would it surprise you to know that there's not one single other animal or creature on the planet, unless it suffers from mental illness? There is no creature out there that participates in the concept of transgender. The closest that you can get where a male goes on to do things as a female is creatures that have homosexuality to them. There's over 850 species of creatures that gravitate towards homosexuality. Like, for instance, dolphins. From what I've learned, they like to sexually stimulate each other and do these type of things. Obviously, they don't have the same comprehension that homosexual humans have, where they say, uh, well, I love this other dolphin, or I care about this other dolphin... Whenever homosexuality happens in the animal kingdom, it's simply based upon sex. And just because the creature is aroused or it's been sexually stimulated or tickled in the right way, it likes the feeling. So it continues to go along with it as where humans make it a more complicated issue where they throw love into the mix. And there's that. Let me drink a cup of coffee. My throat's a little bit hurting, and I'll get to the point of all these things that I'm talking about that I've learned. I think that the reason why we have so many transgenders out there, ladies and gentlemen, is because of outside influences. I've learned that babies and toddlers... They don't know until they're at least four or five years old what a reflection is either. They're just as ignorant as any animal that's out in the wild. They don't know what it is they're looking at when they're in the mirror. The only way they get used to it is they see their mom or their dad come up behind them and lift them in the air and start playing with them and talking to them. They know when they look in the mirror what their mother and father looks like. Their brain has structured the environment, um, as well as people that they've seen repeatedly, it becomes a program and like a routine, if that makes sense. Like when you were little and you looked in the mirror, you may not remember this, but there were probably many years or time that you spent looking in the mirror and not knowing that that's you um, because your brain has not uh, comprehended what it is you look like. Your eyes are set in such a peripheral type of way, you're not able to see yourself unless you have an external structure to look at that reflects what it is that you you appear to be. And this is very jarring for many children out there, even children that end up going straight whenever they get older. Whether you actually live out your biological born as a male thing or biological woman. There is that time, those years, that are going by where you're trying to develop into your gender, that you're trying to develop into the person that you identify as. Like, for instance, a little girl will most likely end up becoming a, uh, taking upon the traits and the concepts of their mother and father. And if their mother and father sees that the child is having a hard time comprehending their own physicality or emotions and feelings, usually a mother and father will reinforce, you're beautiful, I love you, I care about you, and you're perfect just the way you are. But unfortunately, if you listen to a lot of these transgenders tell their sad stories and their testimonies about how they came to be the way they are, what is usually how the story start. I just never felt accepted in society. My family never accepted me for who I was. My family have always been very condemning or judgmental. You'll notice that a lot of transgenders have a great deal of hatred towards Christianity and religious beliefs. Um, They seem to strike out at the concept of God. They seem to strike out at uh, religion because religion plays an authority role. In society, there's no way to get around that. The belief in God is everywhere. And they identify themselves as something different, and it completely contradicts and conflicts with how God created us. So they become angry at something that does not move, that does not change from its views or idea. And they also get angry at the authority figures in their family, such as their moms and their dads and sisters and brothers. And then, of course, they become angry with the people at school because when people look at your physical being and your biological uh, anomaly that you have going on, uh, some kids can be very critical. A lot of kids, they bully other children because their identification and their development has been halted by abusive parents. So sometimes they take upon the abusive traits of their family, and then they abuse little girls and boys when they're in school, calling them names, calling them things that uh, belittle the way they look, the way they sound, these type of things. We see this in society over and over. And now that we have social media, social media... Gives a lot of these kids out here the ability to be able to express themselves. And many of them do not even know how to express themselves properly. Everything is victim-oriented. Did you notice that when you're listening and watching? Everything is, I've been treated like a victim all my life. I've been, you know, blah, blah, blah. I can't do this. I can't do that. And they always have this fatal error to the way they think. I can't do this because this person won't let me. I can't do this because I have this limitation or this problem. I can't be beautiful unless I'm wearing these type of clothes or I have this type of surgery done to me. This is what our society, our outside influences have taught young people as well as older people. It has taught us that if you don't like the way you look, then simply cut yourself up, chop yourself up. In the last 20 years, we've started really noticing, especially on the internet, people coming out admitting that they cut themselves and they hurt themselves. They do harm to their own physical body. Why do they do that for it? Why do they do these type of things to themselves? It's clearly not healthy. Why is it that a person would commit suicide, which, as most of you know, if you were to look at the stats of transgenders, right alongside homosexuals and atheists, they are the most inclined to kill themselves. Stats say that atheists and transgenders' suicide level is so high that it absolutely dwarfs Islam, Christianity, and all the religions out there. As where Christianity teaches you to value your life and love people for who they are, the transgenders never learn to accept themselves or love even themselves, more or less love others. And my philosophy is, if you can't even love yourself, you're not going to be capable of understanding what love means when you're sharing it with another. I mean, really, think about it. If you've never learned how to love in the first place, and see good qualities in he or she who is closest to you, such as yourself, how can you ever be able to put the the burden of love or the feelings of love on someone else? And a lot of these transgenders, their idea, whenever they try to mimic the concept of love, to them, love is whenever someone agrees with you. And if they don't agree with you, then they must hate you. And that's the reason why you get the victim orientation. It's one of the reasons why you get the whole you people are trash, you people are garbage, you people are mean, your religion is terrible because they don't feel like they're getting that, um, that agreement and that support structure that they never had their entire life, that their parents failed to give them, or their religion that they were a part of did not give them. Or... It's also their own problem. It's a mental issue. How many of us, whenever we were children, how many of us went to school or we heard a family member or a relation say something bad about the way we look or the way we behave or the way we talk? When you're a child, that's very hard to hear someone say that they're disappointed in you or you should do this or do that before you go out in public. Surely you've had your mom and dad tell you, You need to comb your hair. You need to put on different clothes. I can't, I'm not going to take you out in the public looking like that. Stop sounding this way. Talk this way. Maybe you're a boy who's got a lisp and then you're going to have kids as well as your parents try to adjust the way you talk or do things. They try to program you so you'll fit into um, social structures and groups and communities and all this. Believe it or not, even though transgenders have the highest suicide rate of all times, shockingly, they have the smallest group. They have the smallest amount of people in a community out there. And the ones who do, they were growing for a couple years there, and then they went on to get surgeries, and thousands of them are literally detransitioning, which means that they go back to the original program of what they were biologically born to be. Thousands of them have changed their mind. Unfortunately, because they received all this major surgery done to their body and their genitals, they'll never be able to have children and they'll never be able to live like a normal woman or man ever again because they've made the mistake whenever they were going through a development process to cut themselves up or have someone do it for them. Yes, I do know transgenders who didn't have the financial gain or the money to be able to get surgeries that they felt they required and they mutilated themselves. Some of them accidentally killed themselves and others wounded themselves permanently. And of course, if you go to a professional, although the professional will get you through it with the least amount of pain, there will be a day where you go, my goodness, there used to be a point where I could have children, I could do things, but they can't now. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, when I speak of the mirror and the reflection, there comes a time in our developmental phase where we will all look in the mirror, and we're not going to like what we see. Not every little girl and little boy looks in the mirror and says to themselves, I'm happy with the way I look and talk. Unfortunately, when we're little, we're awkward, we're silly, we get acne, we get strange abrasions on our body, our body feels like a volcano ready to erupt, especially when our hormones are starting to kick in. We want so badly to fit in and want people to accept us, and we hope that they'll accept us, not just for our physicality, but what's going on inside. But unfortunately, not only should we improve who we are physically, but we need to improve our ability to express ourselves and articulate. And unfortunately, the transgender group and community, they are one of the small groups in human society that has not learned how to do this properly. And that is the reason why they're so angry, they're so frustrated, and they constantly are pushing this political agenda. They want basically what they see in the reflection to become their reality but sadly it's not just their own physicality that they want to change they want to change you they want to change the environment they want to change everything because they don't want to be reminded of what it is that they actually are and that's why they behave so stressing and anger and aggravation and blah 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 they don't even like it whenever you question them or you want to get to know them and understand where they're coming from because that means they have to go back into the past and remind you of what it was that they used to be once considered that very thing that they hate which is themselves and that's why it's so difficult to be able to have a conversation with them one of the questions I used to ask a long time ago, and I notice other YouTubers are asking the same question now, such as Tom Walsh. When speaking to a transgender, I said, "What it is? what is it that you think that you've seen? If you could draw a picture or you could describe described for me what it is, that, like a guy looking in the mirror and you see a woman, what is a woman? What do you think a woman is? Is a woman... A human being with long hair, breast, and big, nasty hips? Is that what you see as a woman? What is this inner turmoil that you speak of? What is it that you think that you're supposed to be? Can you describe it? At the end of the day, you're going to find out that the transgender doesn't even know what a woman's supposed to be, nor do they know what a man is supposed to be, because they don't have the programming and the coordination to even understand either side. As where a male, such as myself, even though I was very critical of my reflection and critical of how I talked and how I did things growing up, sooner or later, I got along with the program and the routine and I understood, this is who I am, this is what I'm about, And no matter how much surgery I do, I'm always going to be Brett Keen. I can write crap out on paper. I can go and get some legal documentation that says my name's really butthole. But in the end, I'm always going to know inside who I am. I'm going to realize that the true reality is what's happening on the outside of the mirror, not what it is, whatever disturbing thoughts I have about myself or this. And it is considered a mental condition. The reason why people usually get labeled with mental illness is because something is happening to them that is not normal, that society accepts, that society deems as true. When a person starts thinking that they're an alien or from a different planet, or they're a resurrected dead person or something, There's a lot of, obviously, things, miswiring that's going on in their brains. And I think a lot of it is because of the way society does things. I think it's because of social media, television, and I also think it's abuse from parents. And even if parents are good people who are raising their kid right, a lot of those type of same parents also have history of when they used to be bad kids themselves doing drugs and doing alcohol and doing other type of things that unfortunately altered their genetics, and that's why we have a lot of the messed up kids that we have now. You know, when you go out and you buy any of this drugs or do things, especially over-the-counter stuff, it all tells you there's going to be side effects. It all tells you there's going to be some problems. It all tells you that this can really cause some disruption. I'm fully aware that when I go to buy me a pack of cigarettes, they have um, warnings right on the side of the cigarettes to tell you this is going to cause this, 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 and that, and most likely it's going to kill your ass. (laughs) We all know that. We all know the warning signs. And unfortunately, the sins of the father do come down on the children sins of the parents do come down on the children. If you wrecked your life when you were a child and then sooner or later got yourself straightened out and you decide to make a family, all the drugs and alcohol that you ever put in your body is now going to be in your um, gene pool. Period. There ain't no way around it. All right. As far as uh, I guess I'll finish it with this. We notice a lot of liberals and Democrats out there constantly pushing, trying to make everybody endorse and promote all this craziness in society. I'm going to say the same thing I've been saying for the past couple years. I don't think that Democrats or liberals give a damn about women's choices or how we should do our bodies or anything like that. I think that the only bodies that Democrats and liberals actually care about our bodies that are involved in voting, whether they're alive or dead, and whatever gets them the most money to be able to spend, knowing that it's not theirs to spend in the first place. The Democrats and liberals have been known to use the dead and the living to be able to manipulate whatever it takes to get them power. And they had already known that they lost the conservatives, they lost anybody of any other political climate, so now they're going after people who are easily manipulated, people who already hate themselves, people who already feel misrepresented, basically people who are convinced they're victims in society. That's the best way to do it then, right? Go after people of color, go after people with sexual orientation issues or identification problems. If you get these people, then you can use them to attack violently people who disagree with you, make everyone uncomfortable, and at the end of the day, get their vote. And that's really what it's all about for those who haven't been paying attention. That's how I see it. It's all about staying in power. It isn't about making any of these people's lives better. Notice that whenever the liberals and Democrats got into office, all the people they made promises to, What is one of the first major things they failed on? Roe versus Wade. They claim to be all about abortion, but abortion was lost on their watch. Transgenders have gotten nothing from Democrats. Homosexuals have gotten nothing from Democrats. Nothing whatsoever. And, of course, people of color are still living... uh, Many people of color are still living in poverty, and there's not enough jobs around for them to be able to get. And the education system is still absolutely broken. So, yeah. Is it no wonder we have people out there who hate themselves? There's not a lot of things to look at in this world filled with joy and happiness. So it's really easy to... Take upon the role of the victim, whenever there's plenty of victimization to go around, as there not. That's one of the reasons why these debates and discussions become so confusing, because we could easily fall into that. There's no point nihilism anymore. Attitude. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed my video. Leave some comments. Tell me what your thoughts are on all this. Um, your views. Hopefully, my thoughts and my ideas and my theories do not get me canceled on YouTube. You'll notice a lot of liberals talk about how invested they are in the free speech. Unless you disagree with them, then all of a sudden it becomes a different kind of speech, it becomes hate speech or violent speech. I'm just having some thoughts and ideas, folks, and I'm more than open-minded to hear what you all think. God bless. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keene from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day. If you would like to support God TV Radio, you can do a one-time donation through PayPal, or you can buy us a gift off of Amazon wish list, or you can buy one of my books. Afterlife simulation is the newest installment of my novels and written works Or you could buy some of our music and art Also, I sell merchandise such as t-shirts mugs towels clothes apparel Anything that your heart desires God bless